today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God is so good, so merciful, so gracious. God never gives up on us. God loves us so much. We're about to read where we're told that the Ethiopians will worship the Lord, the Egyptians, my people, (laughs) are blessed by the Lord. The Lord actually calls Egypt His people. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. As Pastor J.D. dives into today's text, we'll learn that the plan of God is so packed full of mercy and grace, it's astonishing. God longs for as many people as possible to come to Him before it's too late. Maybe that's you listening right now. Keep listening, and perhaps today's the day for your life to change. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 17 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Loving Heavenly Father, we're just so, so very grateful to you. It's really impossible to thank you enough for this special time that we have as a church body and those that are joining us online to just kind of put everything aside at this time and focus our attention on you and your word and put aside all the busyness of our lives, all the distractions, the cares, the affairs, and just open up our Bibles and open up our hearts and open up our eyes and ears so that we can hear from you and be ministered to by you. That's why we're here tonight, Lord. We're here because we want to hear you speak into our lives, in and through your word, as you always do, and as only you can. Lord, for the many that are here or joining with us that are hurting, Lord, I just pray that you'll encourage and strengthen and bless, renew, again, as only you can. So we just commit our Bible study to you tonight and ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Again, I have to confess, I've been really looking forward to tonight's study, these two chapters, particularly chapter 19, as we're about to see. Actually, both chapters have woven into the fabric of them these prophecies concerning God's plan, yet future, in the end. And what's so encouraging about these particular prophecies in these two chapters is at the end, as we're about to see, God is so good, so merciful, so gracious. God never gives up on us. God loves us so much. We're about to read where we're told that the Ethiopians will worship the Lord, 
the Egyptians, my people, <laughs> are blessed by the Lord. The Lord actually calls Egypt His people. Egypt, not Israel. The Egyptians, He calls them His people. The Assyrians, this is the area we would know today as modern-day Iraq, in that area, in the Middle East. So the Assyrians, the Lord says, they will be the work of His hands. And of course Israel, His inheritance. That's going to be the takeaway, as we're going to see tonight from these two chapters. It's that God loves us. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God won't give up on us. God never gives up on us. He has a plan for us. God is merciful to us. His hand is upon us, and His blessing is upon us as well. So before we jump in to chapter 18, I need to preface it, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what's here. First, very short chapter, uh, only seven verses. However, <laughs> it is the most difficult of the prophecies in the entirety of the book of Isaiah. How's that for an introduction? <laughs> one commentator said it this way, although the prophecy is a short one, it probably ranks as the most obscure chapter of all 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Something else I want to point out before we get started in this chapter, and it's that in Isaiah's day, Ethiopia, it's not like as we know it today, but it was a world power, and at this time it was ruling over Egypt, as an enemy of Assyria. Now we've been learning about the Assyrians and the prophecies concerning how the Assyrians would come and invade from the north. And this was a prophecy that would be fulfilled. But as we get into now what is referred to as the book of burdens, until we get to chapter 23, the burden of the Lord, really the prophecy of the Lord, a weighty, heavy, burdensome prophecy that Isaiah was commanded to proclaim and prophesy. These are dual prophecies, meaning that they would have their fulfillment then, but they would also have their fulfillment yet future. We saw that particularly in chapter 17 as it relates to Damascus, Syria. Now, pictured here, is a map which shows Ethiopia as much larger than the modern-day country of Ethiopia as we know it today. It actually encompassed an area of the Sudan and also Somalia. So this was a major world ruler at the time, and that's what this prophecy is going to be about here in Isaiah 18. Now why is this important? Because Ethiopia is seeking an alliance with Judah against Assyria, the mighty Assyrians, which is the first part of this prophecy. Now we're going to see God's response 
to this invitation to form this alliance between Judah and Ethiopia against the Assyrians? Spoiler alert, God says, <laughs> no need. That's a very loose paraphrase, but basically uh, no need for the alliance. Uh, that's your plan, but listen to my plan. And that's where it gets interesting. So let's jump in, verse 1. Woe to the land shadowed with buzzing wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, which, verse 2, sends ambassadors by sea, even in vessels of reed on the waters, saying, Go, swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth of skin, to a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down whose land the rivers divide. All inhabitants, verse 3, of the world and dwellers on the earth, when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it. And when he blows a trumpet, you hear it. For so the Lord said to me, verse 4, I will take my rest and I will look from my dwelling place like clear heat in the sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For before the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he will both cut off the sprigs, which are the shoots, with pruning hooks, and take away and cut down the branches. They will be left together for the mountain birds of prey and for the beasts of the earth. The birds of prey will summer on them, and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. Now verse 7, we turn this corner, and we're told in that time, yet future, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin, and from a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide, listen, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, to Mount Zion. Did you catch that? In other words, the Ethiopians will, yet future, according to this prophecy, come to worship the Lord at Mount Zion. How about I say it like this, for lack of a better way of saying it. God loves the Ethiopian people. God has a plan for the Ethiopian people. It is believed that this prophecy will be fulfilled possibly during the kingdom age, the millennial reign, that 1,000 year reign here on earth as it was pre-sin entering the earth. I mean, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. I mean, we at best, like Paul says, see through a glass darkly. There's, there's no way we can possibly comprehend what that's going to be like. 
maybe since I opened up that can, I might as well just spread a little bit more of the spread on the bread, so to speak, because the millennium is amongst the most stunning of all of the truths and prophecies in all of Scripture. Do you realize that we are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ during that 1,000 year period? Some have suggested that it will be this enforced righteousness where we rule and reign. And, and there will be those in the millennium that will have bodies like did Adam and Eve. That's why they're going to live for a thousand years. So they're going to have children, and their children are going to have children, and their children are going to have children ad infinitum. Some mathematicians, bless their hearts, (laughs) those that can do this have a great respect for them. They've actually calculated the number of people that would be born during the millennium. And it is an astronomical number. And then at the end of the 1,000 years, Satan, who has been sent with a chain to the bottomless pit for that 1,000 years, unable to tempt, will be loosed one last time. And can you believe that there will be those that were born during the millennium who have their bodies like Adam and Eve? We're going to have our glorified bodies. These are people that will make it through the tribulation, having neither accepted Christ nor accepting the mark of the Antichrist. Because it's appointed unto men once to die, and then the judgment. Somehow they're going to live outside this one world economic system, the beast system, the Antichrist system. They will somehow survive and make it through to the end of the tribulation. And they will enter the millennium. These are people that have not come to Christ. The, I, this, I really am pouring out the spread, aren't I? <laughs> it's, it's a gift or a curse. I don't know which one. So they will have neither accepted Christ nor the Antichrist. They will enter the millennium and they will be prolific. They will have bodies like Adam and Eve did. They will have children and grandchildren and great, 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 great grandchildren. Now at the end of the millennium they have to now choose. And Satan will be loosed. And living during that 1,000 years, some will choose Satan. And then that's the judgment. The others will choose Christ And then after the millennium, after that 1,000 years, then begins eternity future, the new heavens and the new earth for all eternity. You know, we talk about heaven, we talk about the rapture, we talk about the seven-year tribulation, we talk about the second coming, but we kind of skip over. We got another 1,000 years to go, baby. Another 1,000 years. This is going to be incredible. And the earth is going to be like it was in the Garden of Eden. We have no idea really what earth is going to look like, but this is when chapters like this, prophecies like this, is believed that they will find their ultimate fulfillment. 
Now, let's get into chapter 19. I have to preface this chapter as well. I hope I didn't uh, jam your gears on the whole millennium thing. (laughs) Maybe I need to do a study on it. Uh, It's actually throughout Scripture, uh, many places you'll find, I would really encourage you to do a study in your own time in God's Word of the millennium. Revelation chapter 20, uh, you'll find references to it in the Old Testament. We've seen references throughout our study of the Old Testament, but for tonight, <laughs> I'll end it there. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, chapter 19. This is a prophecy concerning Egypt. And here's the thing. This is in play currently. Chapter 19 of Isaiah is in play currently and will be fulfilled yet future ultimately. Now we're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to take just the first couple of verses to start with. The burden against Egypt, or the prophecy concerning Egypt. Behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and will come into Egypt. The idols of Egypt will totter at his presence, and the heart of Egypt will melt in its midst. Now I really want to draw your attention to verse 2. I will set Egyptians against Egyptians. Everyone will fight against his brother, and everyone against his neighbor city against city, kingdom against kingdom. Now stop right there. Right out of the chute, we see the beginning of this prophecy being fulfilled in our day, present day. Actually, it's believed that it started 10 years ago with the Arab Spring back in January of 2011. Pictured here is Tahrir Square in Cairo, which as some of you doubtless remember, was the scene of graphic violence with Egyptian fighting and rising up against Egyptian. Interesting brother against brother. This is when the Muslim Brotherhood was now fighting against the regime at the time. And um, why does his name escape me? I know that it was uh, Muhammad Mursi of the, um, what was the president? Mubarak, right? Yeah, Mubarak was the president at the time. And he was removed. And this was a bloody battle that would last long enough to change the complexion and the landscape geopolitically and prophetically of Egypt from that day forward, never been the same since. And we're going to see now as we get further into this prophecy. Verse 3, the spirit of Egypt will fail in its midst. I will destroy their counsel, and they will consult the idols and the charmers, the mediums and the sorcerers, And verse 4, the Egyptians I will give into the hand of a cruel master, and a fierce king 
will rule over them, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Now, there's a lot of debate and speculation amongst Bible commentators as to who this fierce king will be. Some suggested that it was actually the Muslim Brotherhood at the time. Others suggest this will be during the seven year tribulation, and this will be the fierce rule of the Antichrist. Others suggest, no, this will come at some other time yet future. Verse 5, the water, speaking of the Nile River by the way, will fail from the sea, and the river will be wasted and dried up. The rivers will turn foul. The brooks of defense will be emptied and dried up. The reeds and rushes will wither the papyrus reeds by the river, by the mouth of the river, and everything sown by the river will wither, be driven away, and be no more. I would suggest that this too is being fulfilled present day. You know, my wife and I, uh, it was 1997, so 14 years before the Arab Spring in uh, 2011, we went to Egypt, stayed with my aunt. She lives in Giza, which is where the pyramids are. And uh, we went around the country, and of course I've shared the uh, famous, actually infamous taxi ride from, uh, yeah, I don't want to go there tonight. Um, but when we were uh, taking this taxi, from uh, Cairo to Alexandria. That was my father's birthplace. We wanted to spend some time in Alexandria. Beautiful place, by the way. You know, right there on the coast of the Mediterranean. So my wife and I are walking the beach. The water is the same color as Kailua Beach, that, that bright teal color. But there's only one difference. Well, there's actually more than one difference, but the biggest difference was there wasn't anybody on the beach. Uh, oh, we did see a couple people on the beach, but they were all, of course, as Muslims, covered up. Nobody was sunbathing, I can assure you of that. But here's this beautiful, I mean breathtaking place. And then you look there at the city, and here's the description. It's not what it once was, what it used to be. It has withered away. So on this ride, we had missed the, the train because of traffic in Cairo. Listen, you haven't lived until you've driven. Actually, uh, I wouldn't recommend it until you've tried to drive in Cairo. Unbelievable. Um, but we missed the train, and so we had to take this cab. And we, it's about a two, two and a half hour drive. And some of the places that we were uh, going were along the Nile River. There's no AC in the car. It's 195 degrees with the wind chill. And I got to tell you, and I don't know how to describe this, and I don't mean to be gross, but the stench from the dried up Nile was something that you would never want to smell 
in your life. It was horrific. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.